Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we're talking about happiness. We are talking about Finland. Finland, I think for the fifth time in a row or something like that, has come out as the world's happiest place. You may be surprised to realize it's not Disneyland or Disney World. No, it's Finland. Finnish people are very happy. And a lot of this, if you look at their culture, it's because it's a culture of trust and a culture of community. That was one factor that people pointed to. They're also out there in nature. Uh, So they're connected to nature. Uh, They're not just toiling away in apartments and office buildings. They invest time building and maintaining parks, which might seem like a foreign idea, but that brings a lot of peace of mind and a lot of benefits. And there's also less of an element of control. Uh, So they pointed to not comparing yourself to your neighbors and not trying to make sure that you're on that treadmill, that you're getting ahead at all costs that your life has to work out exactly the way that you want. And it's interesting reading about this, see, because it's such a simple idea, but in a lot of ways, it's very profound. Uh, As we were talking, a lot of the issues that we see, the mental health issues that people face around us, the family, friends, so much of it has to do with control. Uh, We were talking about my journey. You pointed out how I've wasted the last 25 years of my life because I've been too controlling. I felt like I've had to go through this engineering, finance, Wall Street route, and I haven't been able to let go. And it's only more recently that I said, you know what, this isn't working for me, at least not in its entirety. So maybe it's something I do, but I've got to move more to writing and to poetry and to art. And that's been very freeing. But to do that, I've got to let go of control, which is something that I'm still working on. So that's one example, the 25 years of my life where I could have been an international superstar at this point, but so be it. I am where I am. Then I look at just the way that people live and the level of anxiety in our society. And it's like, oh, this has to happen. What's going to happen if my flight is delayed? What's going to happen if I'm stuck in traffic? If I don't make the conference call, if I don't present the right way at work, if I don't create the right impression, if I don't get married at the age of 28, If I get married, but I can't have kids when I want to have kids, and I'm so anxious that my body doesn't even want to have kids, so then I have to go to a fertility clinic and have them pump me full of drugs to get the fertility going to compensate for the anxiety that I'm feeling, and the fact that I've got to take every single aspect of my life and fix it in exactly the right place, otherwise I can't be happy. And if you think about what I'm describing, Z, just talking about it, it's getting me worked up because it feels just exhausting. It's like, oh my God. How can I possibly be responsible for the entirety of the world? Because I'm part of a society and part of a community. So if I want things to work out a certain way, it's not just controlling my behavior. It's controlling those around me. They have to act a certain way. They have to live up to my expectations. It's controlling institutions, organizations, social trends. It's sitting down at night and just feeling terrified that the world might move in a different direction than what we expect and what we hope for. And... We've used a term in the past called foundations of sand. So we're building up this life, this ideal life in our mind where we've controlled every single aspect, but it's an illusion because the foundation of that isn't stable. And the reason it's not stable is that life is inherently unstable. I mean, life itself is movement, it's progression, it's evolution. If you hold something and force it into submission, eventually it's going to die. So just the act of living means that things evolve, things move, things shift, Things are beyond our control. And if we submit to that, it can actually be beautiful. So in my case, it opens up different venues, different opportunities for me to express myself. In the case of the Finnish, maybe there's just a certain level of contentment and gratitude and just an ability to stay in the moment and not worry too much about what's going to happen or whether things turn out the way that I want them to turn out. We've talked a lot about relationships on this podcast. If we let go of the idea of control, trying to force our partners, our friends to act in a certain way, it eases a lot of the friction that we have in everyday interactions. It means that we can connect with people on a deeper level. Uh, But if you're in that controlling mindset, then everything is an argument. It's another form of stress. And of course, all this stress weighs on us and it hangs on us. 
and it leads to premature aging and heart disease and, and fat accumulation and all kinds of problems, Z, that we've talked about plenty of times in the past. Uh, but for these reasons, to me, control is just such an important issue, not just to deal with, but to recognize. This is another thing that's been normalized in our society, that, yeah, we need things to work out a certain way. We're not going to accept anything less than what we want. And because that's so baked in, we don't recognize it. We don't recognize the disease, the pathology. Uh, so I want to explore this concept of control and also maybe somewhere in our discussions, Z, talk a little bit about the difference between striving for excellence versus control. Because letting go of control doesn't mean that we've given up. It doesn't mean that we're willing to settle for mediocrity. Uh, we can still pursue great things. We can still work on ourselves. But I think a lot of times that's conflated with this idea of control. So I'm going to stop over there and hand it over to you, Z. What are your thoughts on this topic? Ben, this is a big topic for all of us. I can speak for myself and a journey to relinquishing control. I would think first that when we go back to this idea of when they talk about happiness, they look at things like the level of stress, the level of hypertension, the level of anxiety, and all these things are what happiness is not. Right? Happiness is not being anxious. Happiness is not uh, constantly in, a, in a, a, a whirlwind of thought and madness or being on that rat wheel. That's what happiness is not. They talk about what happiness is. It's contentment. Just general peace of mind. Being able to sleep through the night. Um, waking up and being enthusiastic about meeting the new day and whatever comes. That's the whole metaphor of enjoying parks and nature. Just the awakening. Every day you're participating or you're a witness to the awakening of nature. That something like that could draw your attention. As I was driving to work today, we're having a big storm. And the beaches, the waves are all the way up on the beaches near the bike path, which is quite a ways up. The, the waters have come up uh, 50, 60 feet closer than it normally does. And I was just in awe of nature. And you think about people driving by in rush hour, they don't notice it. They don't even notice it. Why do you not notice a natural phenomena such as the waves coming up so far onto the beach? You don't notice it because you're anxious, because you've got places to go, things to do. You're late. You're this. You're that. You've got to get here. You've got to get there. That is what happiness is not. And that's why when these people who study human, the human condition talk about the number of parks people visit, their participation in nature, the, what do they consider a vacation or a break, is being in nature, walking through the grass with your shoes off, these kinds of things. Because why? Because they're present. When you're present, you're aware of simple things in life. When you're, when you're anxious, you're not aware of simple things in life. When I mean simple, I mean common things that bring life. Nature. Being with friends, enjoying their company. Um, looking forward to being at home and not looking forward to going somewhere else, right? Looking forward to ending the day and not carrying that on throughout the day because feeding that anxiety gives you a sense of normalcy. That is not happiness. Comparing yourself to other people and then getting depressed because you found somebody that based on whatever subjective idea of doing well is you feel that you're, you're not as doing as well as they are. So you're in a mall or you're in a crowd of people. You're at your place of religious worship and you're sizing everybody up to see what do I need to get to their station or beyond them. Well, that's not happiness. Uh, so just getting that out there. I think about when I first started doing the work I do. I did everything. I answered phones, I scheduled my books, I uh, formulated my herbs, I worked on my clients, I followed up on their program, and because I never, I didn't feel that anybody could do it as the way I wanted it. That was my rationale. It's just not the way I want it done. But as things started to grow, it became unmanageable. To really move forward, I would be limited 
in the way I was doing things, I was limited to being able to see four people a day. And then I would have work afterwards to finish up whatever their formulas were, whatever their programs were, and it just wasn't sustainable. I began to work longer and longer hours, and so then I brought somebody to do something just as simple as answer the phones, take messages, and schedule me. That, that gave me a little more time, but still wasn't enough. So every time I would take one more client, I would have almost three or four hours of work afterwards and so you can imagine where that's going. So as I, I learned to let people do different parts of what I was doing. Scheduling answer the phone. I had someone formulating the herbs, apprenticing, this sort of thing. And suddenly I had more time. I finished my day quietly. I could spend more time with my kids. But it required a relinquishing of the reins, so to say. But it didn't come easy because there was a false sense of me being able to contour destiny to my own liking if I did everything myself. Very misguided. And then that goes into, again, relationships of all kind. If I know where you're at, if I know what you're doing, if I can plan this and plan that, I have control. Thus, if I have control, uh, anything that is outside of that control will not intervene and I will be okay. It doesn't work like that. What happens is you become more controlling. You, you want to know more about the movements, the whereabouts, and even now controlling the movements, the whereabouts, and the resources of people around you. You see this happen all the time. It often leads to tragic endings, but you see it all the time. Where were you? What did you do? Who did you see? How did it go? When will you go back? How long were you there? You see? So these are all the things that make you controlling and inevitably you lose your mind and you're never happy. You never find peace of mind. Right? And it's a journey for everybody in different ways. How can I let things be? Some people will hear that and say, oh, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have any forward vision. What about next year when we're out of money, right? What about next month when things change? People talk like that. You have to plan ahead. You have to plan for every eventuality. How about not to say plan ahead, but be more prepared? Changing from planning ahead to be prepared, meaning that you're not looking for a car wreck, but you're, you have something, you have an emergency kit there in case you do have a car wreck. Thinking more in terms of preparation than control will begin to diminish some of the ego signature on you in the footprint of anxiety. So you work with different artists. They'll all have different visions, different ideas. Your only duty then is to help share a collective vision when you're working with a team, for example. What is the collective vision we have? Once that is given clarity, then you can ratchet down the anxiousness of control that comes with control. You can soothe that beast in them and yourself by saying, I've hit this milestone or that milestone and that's okay. Um, I, I can manage this, but I can't manage that. That's one of the hardest things to say. I can't do it all. When you get to a level where you can say, I can't do it all, then you're in a better place than you were. Much more relaxed, much more um, productive, right? So I want to simply manage what I can manage and let somebody else manage what they manage. But I got to get either way. I got to give them space. It won't be in my time frame. It'll be in theirs, because we all live in our different time uh, continuums, right, based on who we are and how we live our life. So that's kind of it. That's what my thoughts are on that, then. Izzy, what you're saying, I think cosmically it makes a lot of sense. It would lead to peace of mind if we let go of this idea of needing things to work out the way that we want, and we're more in harmony with people around us. We're more flowing with life. 
So as a recipe for health, to me, that makes a lot of sense. And the more that I think about life, I kind of take a, a spiritual or a cosmic view that it's more about the journey than the end result. I mean, ultimately, we're all going to die. So all that, that really matters is the moments that we have, the quality of those moments. Uh, so exactly what we do and whether life works out exactly the way that we want, you could argue, isn't that important? And this idea of letting go of control relieves us of that anxiety. It frees us to enjoy whatever is happening in the moment. I would even argue that it opens us up to opportunities that otherwise we wouldn't see. Because if we're so focused and so controlling, it's like we've got blinders on and we're only walking in a certain direction. And there could be bags of money on the ground next to us that we're not even aware of because we're not veering off the path. Uh, there could be business opportunities, relationship opportunities, friendships, opportunities to try different things, interact with different types of people that we never even experience. Uh, and I, I've certainly seen this in my life. I mean, I, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen what happens when I've been more in that controlling mode and I feel like I have to do something and it becomes very limiting. I've seen what happens when I let go a little bit more and life takes me in directions that are unexpected, but, but beautiful and very satisfying. I've seen this with people, some of the people I know who've been very successful in business, they've pivoted. Uh, so having that ability to recognize that things aren't working out the way that you want and the intention to say, I'm going to shift course if I need to, I'm not so wedded to a particular point of view or a particular way of doing things. Uh, I've got a, a cousin who is very successful in business who started doing something completely different. He got into his current business by accident, but what he was doing wasn't working. He found an opportunity. He seized it. I've got another friend from business school who's done the same thing. So you could argue in a sense that letting go of control, it just opens you up and it, it, in a way, might make you more successful, certainly makes life more calm, perhaps more interesting. Um, but I want to play devil's advocate for a second and think about the other side of the argument. I mean, what's the danger that if we say, okay, I'm not going to plan, I'm not going to be in control, that we don't achieve what we want to achieve? Uh, how important is that to begin with? And I'll give you an example. I mean, you take the richest person, or maybe not the richest person anymore because Tesla stock has collapsed. But for a while, Elon Musk uh, was the richest person in the world and has achieved a tremendous amount in a very short period of time. Um, I guess not that short, but if you look at his age, he's in his early 50s. So relative to some other people who've accumulated huge amounts of wealth, he's done it quite quickly. Now, I've never met the person, so these are just things that I'm piecing together from what I read. But it seems like he's extremely controlling. He's involved in every single aspect of all of his companies. I mean, he must be able to delegate just because he participates. He oversees such vast enterprises. He can't do everything. But maybe relative to other leaders, he's in there. He's in the weeds. He's firing people personally. He's looking at the direction the engineering teams are taking. He's moving them in different directions. He's setting deadlines. He's there on the factory floor. Uh, and you could argue that that's what makes him extremely successful. That's what's taken him to this level beyond what most people think is even possible. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, this idea of achievement versus control. I would say, who do you want to be? You know, there are other wealthy people, and, and I think that's not the only metric of human success. Um, you got to think about in your own life what brings you contentment and joy. We know, without a shadow of a doubt, that controlling people are unhappy because they will never, ever have as much control as they would like. And if they, even when they reach a certain threshold of control, where it consumes many of the Earth's resources and it consumes the lives of other people, it, 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 they still have not reached a point where they would be rated as a happy person. And, but that's what we're talking about, being content in your life. As is said in the traditional yoga scriptures, is the greatest type of happiness is contentment. Are you at peace with where you're at? Elon Musk is not successful. If he was successful, he wouldn't, you wouldn't be hearing about him every day. He would be wherever he would be doing whatever he was doing 
and be at peace with that. He's still chasing, pursuing something. At the, for all that we say is successful in that, in that dimension of success, it has cost the world much. Every Tesla built has probably cost the lives of four people mining for the resources needed to make a Tesla. There were, there, this, the, the, the battery industry and the trace mineral industry is the modern day blood diamond. I wouldn't call that success. I personally wouldn't. Maybe somebody else does. I've consumed the world. The, uh, now, land that used to grow food is, is un, un, unharvestable. It's unariable. You can't grow anything there anymore because this guy is successful in business. Is he, what does that mean? And for us, we want to capture the meaning of success is you're at peace with where you're at. You marry the, the most beautiful supermodel you meet or the handsomest movie star you meet. Look, what, look at their lives. Didn't one of these people like J-Lo or something break up with somebody, then married somebody else a week or month later? She went back to her ex Ben Affleck. You see, it's just, this isn't, these aren't people you want to be like. And, and that's reportedly not going well either. You see, and, and so they wanted fame and they wanted to marry other people and that would be successful. Once they got there, they had to do it again and again and they have to constantly be in front of you telling them you're okay. That's what they said about Finland. The people don't care what their neighbors are doing. These celebrities have become your neighbors and you're watching to see what they're doing aside your except we're looking at Elon Musk. Look at Elon Musk. Do you want to be him? Yeah, I'd like to have some of his money, but I don't want to be him. Because if he was successful and happy, you wouldn't hear about him. He would too, be too busy enjoying his life. So we want to not be confused because we know that this endless pursuit of the endless pursuit is the source of despair. Is there a roof on your pursuit? Is there a point where you get to and you say, you know, I'm good with this. I'm good. I got a billion in the bank. I'm good. I think there's a guy with Warren Buffett or one of these other people. And there's another billionaire um, that when you hear them talk, he's just a common dude. He's just, okay, he says, this is kind of happening on its own. You know, my wealth is making other people wealthy, and that's good for me. I like that. That, that would be somebody I would want to emulate. And that's why I like his writings and things like that. don't agree with everything, and you, I can see you can pick fault in anyone. But I, I, I like the contentment that he expresses. If your whole thing is you're, 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 you're the richest person in the world, you're burning up the rainforest, there's no more Amazon, and you're trying to figure out how to live on Mars... That's not my role model of happiness. So when we think about, yeah, planning is important. I think there's nothing wrong with projecting and planning. But yet it has some sort of end to it. I do this, I do that. We get Dharma Media running. We do this. We start having a sustainable income. I'm going to go off and do my research, watch my kids grow up until it's time for me to check out the planet. I would be content with that. Totally content with that. Right, Kaylin? That's like, Kaylin, she's working out again, losing a few pounds, boyfriend's happy, roommate's leaving. She's, that, that's success. So if she wanted to reach another level of success, the step isn't that big. Right? You can plan for that. I mean, my boyfriend and I, you get this together, that together, we're going to do, boom, get the, you know, train him to endure my cats. You know, that life's good. Life is freaking good, right? And you look around, you're better off than J-Lo. Yes. You don't have her money, but you're better off than her. So we can plan, but we can't build into that plan a kind of a, a, a place of absorbing more energy. I need more and more and more. When I get to this point, I'm getting more. Then I'm going to get more and I'm going to get more. I'm going to control all the people in my life. I'm going to meet other people. I'm going to control the people in their lives. I'm going to dominate the uh, social arena. 
And then every time new people come in, I'm going to press them in there and I'm going to train them. Now you're neurotic. We've seen people like that. Now you're just neurotic. Nobody wants to be around you because everywhere you go, you want to control, consume, dictate. Right? That's how it starts. And it starts on a, a micro level first. You want to dominate everybody within your eyesight. But your head is down so you don't have that many people. You just want to make sure in your mind you control what they're doing. You have financial projections. Where will the money come from? Well, we're working towards that. And then you don't plan in disaster. You don't plan in humanity. You don't plan in sickness and illness. Somebody drops dead. Somebody decides to move on. You, now you're trying to control that. Then you look up one day and you just have this empty existence. I've seen it over and over. So I think we should plan. We should have projections, ideas, uh, uh, steps we can take, but we should see what those steps are. We want to know that the step isn't so vast that we can't attain it. Right? So there are small markers. And you do that, and it's, it's like a workout regimen. You know if you work out and eat a certain way on a certain point, a certain time, within a certain a range of your projections, you'll reach a certain level of fitness. When you reach that level of fitness, you're just maintaining it. You're not looking for more, 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 more. Then, then you're always dissatisfied. You're always unhappy. We don't want to be unhappy. We want to be happy. And in order to do that, <clears throat> you have to know what that is. So by knowing what happiness is, you want to know what happiness is not. So for these people controlling doing projection, you mentioned Elon Musk, or somebody in the media. Well, didn't he just lose billions of dollars? Um, didn't his father just marry his sister? That's not, I, I don't want to be a part of that. There's nothing about that that I want to be part of. I would like some of his money, not even a lot of it, maybe just enough to buy a few of his cars that I wouldn't buy that's cost the lives of many of my people. He's a child of apartheid, so he, he's okay with human suffering. He's totally okay with that. I'm not okay with that. My joy and my happiness is diminished if it requires you to suffer. So I'm looking for other models. My happiness is a simple happiness. What's Caitlin? What are you getting sick about? Caitlin, are you okay? Uh, I just was following up on the Elon Musk's father uh, just to confirm, and it says via NYP, uh, the New York Post, that his dad is 76 and did have a secret child with his stepdaughter. That's sick. Yeah. See, I don't do stepdaughter. That's your daughter. That's your family. That You've been with her since she was newborn or a baby. This is like some Woody Allen type grooming thing. Let's just call it for what it is. If your happiness is based on the, on the suffering of children, on the dysfunction of other people, on them suffering, being unhappy and miserable, then that, uh, that's the wrong role model. Uh, going back to that, what we're saying though, Ben, we should work and plan and do our, our, our planning. Uh, we should plan our, source our food to the degree that we can, but manage what we can't, accept what we can't. We can plan out our finances and all that, but accept that there will be things that come up or, 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 or directions that will come up to change. I had a plan early on in my life. It had reached a certain level of stability, and then things happened. Death intervened, suffering intervened, and it flipped my life over. But because I wasn't so tied to it, I was able to bounce back. Many people are not able to bounce back when your happiness and all that is, is, is undefined and you're looking at others, you become, you become the crash of 29 people jumping off buildings in Wall Street, right? Because they had these plans that didn't work out and there was no plan B, no plan C, no variance, no flexibility. So yes, plan, but don't try to control that that you can't control. Don't try to to stop things from changing that inevitably change. There are people that try to suppress their children, suppress their spouses in order to reign control. These are not, you will never achieve happiness this way. 
you achieve, you get closer to an ideal happiness when you let things be and you dwell in nature. Okay? Z, there was one thing you said which I thought was so interesting. It just created such a strong mental picture in my mind. Uh, you were talking about the crash of 29 and how people were jumping off of buildings because their entire identity, uh, their sense of self, their sense of life was based on this idea that I need to maintain a certain amount of wealth. In fact, you saw the same thing in 2008. And there was a friend of mine or a friend of a friend whose father committed suicide because of all the money he lost. And it's almost ironic. It, to me, that is the perfect metaphor for anxiety. If you have no plan B, it's like you've been going in one direction, you've bet on this horse, you've put your life savings on it, suddenly it doesn't work out that way, and you're fucked. You think you have no other option. So what, what are you going to do? You fall apart. Um, and I think it's ironic because a lot of times we try to control the world around us to avoid that situation, to manage anxiety. But just hearing the way you're talking about it, we almost paint ourselves into a corner. Uh, it's like, because we've got such a highly refined sense, maybe refined is the wrong word, but highly particular sense of what life should be, and things need to work out in exactly this way and not that way, it means that we've got, it's not a robust system. Uh, it's not something that can withstand shocks or disruptions. It's actually very fragile. So it's almost like we intentionally create these conditions that put us in a fragile situation and lead to stress, lead to depression, lead to mental breakdown. You're an engineer. You think about designing any system, you want a system that's robust. So if your assumptions are a little bit off, or the design is a bit off, or the weather is a bit different, or there's a little more stress than you anticipated, it's okay. Uh, the thing is still going to work. And that's the kind of life that we want to have. And you get that when you're just a lot more fluid, when you're open, and you don't have such a dogmatic view about what your life needs to be. So I thought that that was a really interesting point that you brought up. And the other thing that we've been talking about in the background is this idea of having a focus on process and not outcomes or not goals. I want you to share some of what we've been talking about with the audience. You mentioned how people might have a particular goal, like I want to get to a black belt status in martial arts. And then either you cut corners to get there so you don't fully enjoy the process, or even if you dedicate yourself to doing it, you get some benefits for a period of time, but then you're done and you never come back to it. And it's kind of like, oh, this was something that I did in my youth and I did that 30 years ago, but I've never done it since. And now I'm out of shape or I don't have the same discipline. Whereas if you just focus on the things you can control, which is your day-to-day -day actions, you can't control the outcomes, but you can control how you conduct yourself, how you live, what you do day in and day out. Then you keep on building, you keep on refining, and you get that discipline and that skill set continues to evolve. So maybe I'll put this question to you, Z. I mean, when you think about control, is it a matter of controlling what we can control? I mean, is that the key to this, to figure out what's controllable and what's not, and everything that we can't control, just set it aside? Well, yeah, it's like being uh, in an, in flying an airplane, and you have a co-pilot and a pilot. If each person does their part and works together, the flight is uneventful. And in the case of an unforeseen hazard or event, like just recently the other day, a pilot died in a plane. And if you watch the video and you hear the communication, hey, for whatever reason, there was a medical emergency, the pilot just literally dropped dead at the plane. But the co-pilot simply went through procedure and nobody on the plane knew the pilot died until they got off and saw the body being removed by emergency responders because each person was doing their part. And that allowed him the room and the freedom, the clearances that he needed, the tolerance he needed to take on a little more. Just to take on a little more. And sometimes you do a little less. Sometimes you do a little more. But you're not in any way rigid in that. And when we um, have an appreciation for process as opposed to goal, goal, goal. What, what is the process of reaching your goal? That's the most important part because if you let go of the goal, for example, we're talking about the thing where many of these martial arts schools would sell a black belt program. And it was a money grab. That's what they need. They need to pay rent on these small studios. They're single proprietor businesses. And you want to uh, make your rent. 
So you've, you've really pushed the black belt program. So a person will come for six months uh, and they break that up in three months and then and, and monthly increments. And the person says, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to get my black belt. That's my goal. And you're pushed through this program and you're not a good martial artist at all because uh, uh, disciplines like this require a kind of a marination period where you're absorbing the knowledge, you're absorbing the talent, and your body is refining skill. Your brain is adjusting and creating new neural synoptic and, uh, maps and, and new motor, motor neuronal packeting. It takes years and years to master martial arts. But if you're in the process of simply, I want to learn martial arts, I want to develop my skill as a martial artist, then you're going to be similar to my situation where I started martial arts at nine years old, and I still practice today. I'm still excited and enthusiastic about learning. I have friends who did the same thing. We just wanted to be good at martial arts. We used to watch the movies. And on the journey, in the process, we became black belts. In the process, we became masters. In the process. But if the goal was black belts, I would have been done with it years ago. I would have been done with it back in, in, in 76 or 75 or something like that. I would have stopped doing martial arts. But I wasn't, my goal, I didn't have a goal. I had a process of learning. So if you have a process of self-cultivation as opposed to goals, it's like success. The process of being successful, you'll hit that mark and go far places you never knew you could go. You'll find your way to what mean, what's meaningful to you while you're successful at everything or that metric of success or do well at whatever you're doing. It's kind of like there are people who move from one career to another and they follow the process of, of self-ownership. And it took them places they never imagined they'd go. And they're doing the thing that they love and making an income doing it. So those are the things that we want to look at when we think about goal versus uh, uh, achievement versus this or that and going back on our initial topic of letting go of control. Stop trying to control and then project out into the world how you can control because then that becomes kind of like a, an unhealthy occupation. We see it with every dynamic of relationship. If there is a controlling person it requires the breaking of others' soul or character. If you see a relationship where there's a controlling, dominant person relationship, the other person's character has been broken. So you become the superior of broken people. You become the boss of ineptitude. Who wants that? So we don't want to do that. You want to take ownership of yourself, manage what you can, and then that management will give you the, the tools of manipulation or control that you need to get to where you want to go. Be really good at being you. And that's a full-time venture. Right, Vin? Yeah, yeah, it is a full-time venture. I mean, in fact, it's interesting you're talking about it that way. Because uh, I go back to my project, uh, The Spoken Word, The Hip Hop. And something in me changed along the way because it actually did start out more as a goal. You know, it started out as I had this album that I recorded. I wanted to get this up and running. I wanted to get some notoriety around it, uh, share this with the world, get the world to pay attention. And it didn't work out that way. And it led, I wouldn't say to a crisis, but it led to some reflection and some thinking of, oh, should I keep on doing this? Should I not? And as usual, um, you uh, had some choice words to say to me <laughs> to keep me on track. And I think you said, do you believe in this or not? You know, like, is this something that you actually believe in or not? Because uh, if you don't, then don't do it. And after hearing that, uh, that marinated for a while. And I changed the way that I thought about the whole thing. So it went from something that was a one-time project or a way to vault me to a particular place to part of who I am. Like, this is just me. This is just what I do. And I'm going to run with this because this is an expression of me. It's like I do this the same way that I breathe or the same way that I work out or the same way that I interact with the people that I love because it's just part of me. I mean, it's just what I have to do. 
Um, and the success hasn't come yet in terms of commercial success, uh, but in other ways, uh, if I look at the evolution of the art, uh, the evolution of my skill set, uh, which also spills over into other aspects of my life, the types of people I'm meeting, the adventures I'm having, uh, I've been very successful. Um, and I think that gets back to this journey point uh, that you're mentioning. And it ties into what, what do we care about? I mean, what are we here to do? You know, are we here to get to a certain destination? Not really, because even if you get to that destination, what do you do the next day? You still got to wake up and do something with your time. You still got to go and make decisions. You got to keep on moving forward until our time on this planet expires. And that to me suggests that it is about process. It is about moving one step at a time. And the destinations, yeah, I mean, it's fun. Uh, it's fun to get to certain places. Um, but it's such a small percentage of what we do. You know, you think about life, even if you have the most success that you can imagine and you aggregate those high points together. So maybe it's uh, the time uh, that you got some great business deal done or you brought in a lot of money or you won some tournament or some award uh, or you just had some incredible celebration and party. You aggregate those moments of time together. It's what, like a hundredth of a percent of your life, maybe a tenth of a percent. Uh, this stuff doesn't sustain you. Uh, I mean, it's icing on the cake, but uh, it's uh, just one more marker along this journey that you're taking. So I think having that clarity Z is very important. And I don't know if the clarity comes because you let go of the control uh, or you, you start to have the clarity. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. There's two areas. The clarity comes from intelligence. Intelligence is a light, right? Intelligence means one who can discern and discriminate, one who can see clearly, not through the filters of the ego, not through the filters of emotion, not through the opaqueness of the dredges of humanity, which is uh, that tendency to be narcissistic, sociopathic, psychopathic, grandiose. Now, and I want to correct some things. You talked about you haven't achieved a certain level of success, and this is another kind of mal-narrative. You've had the opportunity to open for an experienced comedian. You have a platform to present your art every week. Do you know the percentage of humanity that has never been able to do what you've done. You're in a unique demographic of artists that are on a journey. There's only so many people who can get on that, that boat anyway, and you're on that boat. I would say you've already achieved a level of success far beyond most people. Because that's who you are. You're good at everything you do, even the things you don't like to do. You're good at the things that undermine you. You're good at things. Everything you do, you're good at. But you have this self-doubt. And that's the thing that, that we have to overcome in all of us. Because as soon as you look out into the world and, get, and you use that as your judge, how the world reflects upon you as your judge, you will always be a slave to that. You could, do, you could be booked for 20 shows a week. And you say, I haven't achieved the success yet. That's that Elon Musk thing that we don't want to be like. That's these movie stars. We don't want to be like them. Never happy. Uh, going from this to that, the minute they're out of the limelight, they commit suicide. I, that's, if that's success, I don't want it. You woke up one day and said, I'm going to be true to myself. And you start writing. You put your thoughts to a pen and pad or a keyboard, however they do it. You typed it out. And you, you're, you're on stage. You're on stage, dude. You know how many people are just out there grinding, doing their work every day with their head down, not knowing when it's going to end, waiting for the pension to kick in. Hopefully it'll kick in and they'll be able to live four or five years after their pension. <coughs> and they always wanted to get on stage. They always wanted to share their art. They always wanted to build something. But because they had to wait for the pension to come through, they never did it. And when the pension came through, they discovered they had... Uh, or chronic health issues that would shorten their lives. Who do you want to be? You or them? 
whatever you did and the duties that you fulfilled in the way you want, nobody will remember that. But in a century from now, somebody will pull a recording of some crazy-ass dude who had had prophecy. Hey, have you heard this dude? He was talking about what's going on now. He saw it all coming. Because you did it, man. You did it. You can do more of it. But success is when you decide you're successful. You follow me? Yeah, that's such an important point. Because I'm thinking as we're talking, there are people in the corporate world that I know who never got to retirement, who are making millions of dollars, and in some cases close to $10 million a year, and then just drop dead one day at work. <laughs> it's, it's like the stress. Then you don't even remember their name. Mm -hmm. Nobody does. Mm -hmm. Nobody remembers their name. Because they didn't touch anybody's life. So we, we, we want to take ownership, each of us, individually. What is successful? If your success is sitting there watching your kids grow, or you decide to own a chicken farm in Nebraska, that's you. You did it. You won. You made it. That's, that, that's a view that we could take, and we learned that from the ancients. That's the view we take of life. They had a, a story about some couple that had been together for 80 years. They had 19 kids and uh, three times as many grandkids and three times as many great-grandkids. They wanted to know what was the success. What was the, how, did you, how did you remain in love for 80 years? How do you do that? How did you meet as young, young people and for 80 years through all sorts of things and they were, they were a, an impoverished couple. They didn't have a lot of money. But they had a huge smile and they were together for 80 years. You want to be them or, or these people in the media? Jumping from spouse to spouse, trying to see if the crowds are looking at them. You, know, you see this stuff, it's madness. There's, there's this, this dude from, what is this guy from England? Everybody kicked him out because he got the black wife that didn't know she was black until she became famous. Uh, the, the redhead dude, uh, what's his name? Prince somebody. Oh, uh, Harry? Yeah, yeah. Prince so, Harry? Why is he even in the media? That's not successful. Everybody hates him because he married the, the black girl that didn't know she was black. It's just like the irony, the madness of it. How about them just go somewhere and, and, and raise their child He's got a huge pension from being a somebody in England, right? I would just lay in the cut. Just, just enjoy your wife. You've got a pretty wife. Your kids are, are nice. You seem to be a friendly dude. But you want more? You want more? That's not success. You're, you're, you get up every day unhappy because you want more. That's actually insanity. He's never got to get on. The, he never got to recite his words to anybody that gave it. He never got to inspire people. You did. You've already inspired people. I, I get, you know, you get the random people listening to your stuff saying, "Man, I like where he's coming from. I, that he's talking to me." You're already getting that. This dude is is the is the the Prince of Wales or something. He doesn't get any of that. He's got to get humiliated in front of people. They 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 curse out his wife, wish his child death, and he's back on TV trying to get validated. Just opt out. Just opt out. Right? He's not as successful as Caitlin. Caitlin's doing better than him. You are. You are. Nobody, you are. Nobody's hounding you. You guys, somebody loves you every day. Your, your big issue is trying to, you know, kick your roommate out. That's your biggest issue you have. Right? And, 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 give the, and take care of a, a sick cat. My cat's perfectly healthy. And, All cats are sick. So, but I don't have a, the mansion in Montecito. Do you? I mean, I does, but you're okay. You've been to mansions. Yeah. I don't you, 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 get, you, get, you get invited all over the world. you got friends all over the world it's, it, it, that you can go stay at their house. Mm -hmm. 
And they don't want anything from you other than a couple of yoga lessons or something, I guess. Right? Yeah. I mean, this dude doesn't have that. They don't have friends. So, it, it, again, we love the freedom that is presented to us when we are financially secure. Financial insecurity in this world is horrible. But it doesn't make the whole of you as a human being. Comparing yourself to others is the death of happiness. Taking a, a list and an accounting of what your neighbors are doing or what they have is the opposite of happiness. So if we know that, let's not do that. Let's focus on the journey, aspiring, process and not goal, defeating anxiety and all of the expressions of anxiety. Because life is short. It's shorter than you think, and fate is whimsical. At any moment, fate could visit you with sickness, illness, or accident, and you won't be here anymore. And at, when that moment comes, the moment before that, ideally you will be happy. You want to die. I say, hey, they were real happy right before they died. Right before uh, she got kidnapped, she was real happy. Right before the plane crashed, she was real happy. Right? Because that, that is life. If you don't have that, you're again amongst the walking dead. And we don't want to be at it. We, we know what happens to them in every zombie movie. We don't want to do that. You know what I mean, Vin? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, I, I'm, I've got another visual coming to mind. I, I think about control, and I think about some of the clutching disorders that you mentioned. And it's uh, just watching around in a constant state of tension, just holding on so tightly that you almost suffocate yourself. You can't breathe. So you're right. We want to be the opposite of that. We want to be fluid and formless. We want to be open. And in that, find some contentment, find some gratitude. That's how we roll. And take a warning from controlling people that you observe. They suck all the air out of the room. They crush the life of all around them. They invite suffering as a constant companion. And it never ends. It never ends. It's never a point where it's enough control until they are broken. But before they break, everything around them is broken. So let's not do that. All right? If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.